This is Christopher Murney, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Hey, welcome back to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 222. I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming movies, remakes, and sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we're going to take you out on the ice, we're going to go to San Pedro, and we're going to go back in time a little bit. Christopher Murney is joining us, and Christopher played Hanrahan in the crazy funny movie Slapshot with Paul Newman. There's a scene with Christopher in it, and he's just you know pounding away on Paul Newman, and it's a, a really funny scene, and he does a great job in that. And he was also the star of San Pedro Beach Bums, and he was also in Remember When, and he does a lot of voiceovers and everything else. We're going to talk to him about all those things. He's a great guest. He's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well... It seems like each week I'm uh, announcing some people who have passed as far as uh, some of the actors and directors and things like that have passed. And uh, it just seems each week lately I've been doing that. Since our last show, Ernest Borgnine, who played uh, McHale's Navy and Marty, he won an Oscar for Marty, he has passed away. And Richard Zanuck, who was the producer of recently uh, Dark Shadows, the remake there that they did. They did. And Alice in Wonderland, Planet of the Apes, uh, Driving Miss Daisy, Jaws, The Sting, many, many more. And uh, he has passed away. So uh, they will both be very, very missed because they are both very talented people. And I want you to uh, check out onscreenandbeyond.com. There's a lot of stuff there that you can check out. And we've got uh, movie reviews and uh, TV and DVD releases reviews. And, uh, of course, we also have our Filmmakers Corner, where you can hear interviews with upcoming filmmakers, animators, composers. And it's all there. So check it out. You might enjoy that. And and very shortly, we're going to be updating that with some more interviews. So I hope you're going to check that out. That's the Filmmakers Corner at onscreenandbeyond.com. So... Why don't we get right into what's coming your way as far as remakes? It's next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness, well, a feature film version of the Broadway hit Miss Saigon is moving along. And no confirmed cast as of yet. There's a lot of rumors going around, but uh, right now uh, it hasn't been set. And the British TV series The Inbetweeners looks like it's going to head to the big screen. And they're working on a treatment right now, and we'll see where that goes. And a retelling of Jack the Giant Killer comes our way from Brian Singer in March of 2013. And it's also going to star Ian McGregor and Stanley Tucci. That is it for Remake Madness, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, upcoming new movies. Upcoming new movies, well, Anthony Hopkins has joined the cast of Noah, the movie that we talked about last week, and it also stars Russell Crowe. Dimension Films will be bringing us a horror picture in 2013 called Pro Wrestlers vs. Zombies. You figure that one out. Jonah Hill, James Franco, Emma Watson, Jason Siegel. Paul Rudd, Seth Rogen, and many more will all play themselves in the end of the world in June of 2013. And it's about celebrities attending a party at James Franco's house, and they are faced with the apocalypse. 
That is it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. We're going to take a peek at sequels down at Sequel City right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, well, Scary Movie 5 will be coming our way in 2013. And Cloudy 2, Revenge of the Leftovers, will arrive in 2014 as a sequel to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And look out, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D is in post-production, and it's headed your way in January of 2013. That is it for Sequel City, coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, TV on DVD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TV on DVD, well, the eighth year of Law & Order Criminal Intent will be available in stores on October 23rd. On October 30th, you can look for the complete series DVD collection of All in the Family. Right there, all in one bundle for you. And on October 23rd, Season 3 of Fantasy Island makes its way to DVD. That is it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going to take a peek at what's coming your way as far as movies on DVD. It's next. Movies on DVD. Well, on July 17th, Friends with Kids will be hitting Blu-ray and DVD. Be sure to check that one out. And on September 4th, you can catch Piranha 3DD on DVD and Blu-ray. And on September 25th, the action-packed Western Any Last Words comes to DVD. It's about the life of Bat Masterson. That is it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, we're going down to the ice for a little skating, a little hockey movie. Slapshot. Christopher Murney was uh, Hanrahan in that film, and Paul Newman was a star, of course, and uh, they had a fight. They were fighting on the ice like crazy, so <laughs> it's a crazy scene. Be sure to check it out, but he's going to be coming our way in just a few minutes. Uh, Christopher was also in the TV show San Pedro Beach Bums and Remember When. Great show, so check that one out. And uh, we got a lot of questions for Christopher. It's coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor who has played many roles, including Mackie Bloom on Remember When, Eddie Arcadian on The Last Dragon, Buddy on The San Pedro Beats Bums, and who could forget the goalie Hanrahan in Slapshot with Paul Newman. It's Chris Murney. Chris, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thank you, Brian, very much. It's a pleasure to be on, and thanks for having me. Chris, your career has had some great roles, uh, and they're what I, I would call a juicy role because you get to expand rather than just the the average you know speech. Your characters seem to have more life to them. Is that something that with each role you've done that you yourself put into it, or was that what they wanted, or how did that work out? Often, oftentimes, it depends on the director. You know, sometimes the director has a very specific 
thing in mind. For instance, the Cohen brothers and would be uh, very. They would have something very specific to do. Like I did a Barton Fink with them, right. and they would get whatever it is they wanted, and then they'd say to you, "Okay, you got any ideas? You go ahead and do what you want to do." But oftentimes, it depends on the director. Uh, George Roy Hill, you mentioned Slapshot. He would uh, just make sure that I didn't hurt Paul Newman. <laughs> that was the, you know, don't hurt the money man. Right. <laughs> so as long as you didn't do that, he was game for anything. Uh, so and I oftentimes, they just, once they get to know me, the director gets to know me, they just say, oh, well, hell, let's let him go play. Mm. Yeah. And if I get a chance to play, then I can develop different nuances in the character and then they can pick and choose what they want. Say, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? If we're under the gun because it's uh, because it's a lower budget and we have to move on, you don't have the the, uh, the luxury of playing around like that. You just got to shoot it, cover it, move on. Yeah. Now, with all the roles you've done, is there anyone in particular that you felt was the role, the juiciest role you did, or? Well, I th- I think Mackie Bloom was probably because it was over a four year period. Mm-hmm then it, that was probably the juiciest and the most, had more colors than anything else, certainly. I mean, they, each one that I've done, is, is, if it was a larger role, had uh, something joyous about him. Even Eddie Arcadian, my God, that was, that was just a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. That was just silly. Uh, so I got a lot of chances to do something, but I had to work within that character. With Remember When, you had three levels going on. You had the radio station, the false radio, the, uh, the character within the show, within the show, so to speak, and all of the layers that Rupert Holmes wrote for that, those characters over the course of the years. Yeah, and you mentioned Rupert Holmes. I remember him as a singer, you know, basically. But right. he's extremely talented. Very much so. He's, you know, he does Broadway. He does, uh, he did Remember When. He did, hey, if you like pina coladas. Right. <laughs> You've got that. Uh, he's a very, a very talented man, and a, and a real joy to work with too. Yeah. Was most he... of the guys that I end up, for some reason, I, I have never had. Well, I have had one, but most of the ninety-five uh, percent of the shows that I've done have been just joyous experience, a lot of fun, good people to work with, mm-hmm. very uh, artistically rewarding, and uh, and it worked out for me. So yeah. now Rupert wrote the show. Was was he? Did he have anything to do with the directing or anything like no, that? No, he never directed. He, but he wrote many of them. He didn't write all of them because it was uh, it, it, we we were shooting very quickly, and we were shooting uh, a full half hour of one camera film uh, in four days, mm-hmm. which was that was about uh, we were shooting fifteen hours a day, wow, for four days, and it was a brutal work. So he couldn't write that much. But so they brought in a revolving set of directors and uh, and writers. He could write during the off season in prep, but he didn't do all of them. Mm-hmm. Now, do you find that it's difficult having different directors for each episode, mm-hmm. or having the same director run through the whole the whole show? Well, if the first of all, the one director, if you're in, if you're doing an episodic show, can't just can't keep up because the prep work for each show requires a lot of work. Un- unto itself, uh-huh. so that they they can't keep up with that kind. Of, so you have to revolve. But a lot of directors who do do that uh, revolving, uh, do episodic television, know how it works. They know the characters because they they've seen the show, they study the show. Mm-hmm. They know kind of what the characters are like, 
and they direct to their strengths or try to. And sometimes you get a director who may come in and he's not used to doing that and they think that they're doing Pierre Gint and it just it can go on. You know, the problem with this is if you go on too long, you're just the crew, the cast, everyone is just wiped out because you're on such a, a breakneck schedule. Mm-hmm. And if they're trying to get just the right shot and just the right coverage, the next thing you know, you're into 20 hours, you know, you're up for 20 hours, and then they're way over budget, and everybody's blowing up and cranky. And mm, so that, it's a, there's a technique to being an episodic director, and that most usually it's just playing to the strengths of the characters and keeping it moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now let's take a step back to when, when you were a young kid. Is that what you wanted to be, an actor or a voice person? No, or? When, no when I was a young kid, I wanted to be, I grew up in New England on the coast in Rhode Island. And I wanted to be an oceanographer. Ah, okay. But I wasn't smart enough. <laughs> so then I decided, well, hell, I, I think I'll be an astronomer. That didn't work out either. I, you, know, you just have to realize you have to be proficient in chemistry, biology, mathematics, all of the things that I wasn't very proficient yeah. in. Isn't that a bummer? <laughs> I tell you, I had a professor. He, he offered to pass me in a course if I never came back. <laughs> <laughs> he just gave me a D and said, I'm going to just get you out of here. I said, oh, we'll see, whatever it was. Just please, I'm just don't, you're not going to major in this, are you? I said, no, no, I promise, man, I promise. <laughs> Although I did end up taking courses at the uh, at the planetarium years later in New York City. just to, uh, And I found I enjoyed it on that level. I, yeah. I just couldn't do it on the scientific level. So what kicked you into acting? I mean, did you just one day say, well, I'll do this? Um. Actually, it was a woman who just said, so why don't you try out for for this show? And I said, okay, if you want me to, I'll, I'll do that. And it was uh, Shakespeare, which is my, which was what I really started studying. In fact, my, my future wife and I had did classes and taught graduate students and was one of the training grounds, and that was at the University of New Hampshire with Robert Hapgood uh, over there. And he was an Elizabethan scholar. Shakespearean scholar, and he would um, have us go in and say, let's do the Richard Ann wooing scene, uh, and we would do that scene, and then the graduate students would say, well, what about uh, if he were motivated by this and she were motivated by that? And we would do the scene again, given those internal thoughts from the students. Then they'd discuss it, then they'd come up with other ideas, and as a result, we'd do one scene, maybe four or five times, but with whole different subtext going on in our heads. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, it was uh, Merchant of Venice, as a matter of fact. That was the first show, and I got on stage, and and I said, "Well, I think I like this. This I can do. I like this." Mm-hmm. So I just kept doing it, never stopped. Yeah. You know, you're the third or fourth interview that I've done in the last few weeks here that the actor has said I got into it because of a woman or the women. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, what can I tell you? There's a, there's a certain draw there. You don't usually find that draw and banking all the time. I, I, and so I, uh, yeah, that's how I got involved in it. And, and then I met my wife, and we just celebrated our, see, our 45th anniversary. Wow, yeah. Oh, I, I, I meant to mention, too, that uh, we have something in common. We, we celebrate the same birthday. Well, how about that? Same on the same not not the same year, but same when same they month, same on day. The moon, by God, when they landed on the moon, right? That's right. Yeah. So, do you remember your first role? Uh, no, uh, I remember the first one that mattered, and that was Antonio and the Merchant of Venice, like I just mentioned. Yeah. 
I mean, I mean TV or movies. Oh, TV or movie. TV. The first role was uh, because I had done so much stage. I was brought out to L.A. by uh, Victor Jory, who was a, a wonderful old character actor and uh, always played the black hat a lot in westerns and mm-hmm. uh, in those movies in the forties and fifties. Uh, and uh, he was always the he had a he had a very deep voice and he was a very bad guy all the time. And uh, he brought me out to do a, a movie called The Teachings of Don Juan, A Yaki Way of Knowledge, which was, ba- that was a novel by Carlos Castaneda. So I went out to do that, and of course the money dried up as soon as I got there. And so I had three months off from my theater gig because I was at the Actors Theater of Louisville at the time. So I stayed, and I ended up doing a TV show called The D.A., Okay. I don't remember a lot about it. I just remembered I was just overwhelmed by the way the sound stages. I'd never been on a sound stage before. So it was quite an amazing process to say, oh, my God, you're not in a theater. You're not, this is an intimate. There is no intimacy involved in a, on a sound stage. Right. It's a huge space, and then they just cover it with walls and spaces and lights that are, to make it appear like it's intimate. But that was my the DA, and that, uh, that was my first... Uh, role that I did. Now, how did you get the part of Tommy Hanrahan in Slapshot? Well, Tommy Hanrahan came about, uh, They, I got a call from this uh, casting woman who has since passed away, a wonderful woman, and she, a little tiny thing, and she uh, said, uh, like, they wanted you, they want to see you. I said, okay, do you have a script? She said, no, 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 we don't have a script, but they already started shooting, and uh, just go in and talk to her, you know, and just see what she says. I said, okay, I'll go in. So I went in and talked to her, and I said, okay, so uh, what's up? What do, you want, what do you want me to do? And she said, well, hi, Chris, how are you? It's really good to see you. Now, uh, and she stands about five feet tall. This <clears throat> is in an office in Manhattan. And she said, uh, listen, I hope, um, would, uh, would just, uh, would just swear at me, will you? <laughs> I, I said, I'm sorry, what? She said, just, just you know, just, just swear at me. Let, 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 you know, like, really swear at me. <laughs> so I said, well... And I, without missing a beat, I just went off on her. And you, you could see her little gray hair was beginning to get grayer, and she was getting paler. And she said, I, I, think, I think Mr. Hill would like to see you. <laughs> You're so, good. So that was that. And then I, that's when I realized, because I didn't even know what the project was. They were being very, very secretive. Wow. So then I had to fly down to Johnstown and meet, make sure I could skate and do, work with George and... George had to bring me with Paul, and Paul had to make sure we had to mock, make up a fight so that on skate, so it didn't look like I was really going to punch the guy in the mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, he was, and of course, Paul became my hero. He was uh, just, I mean, the, what that man did with his life and his and his work and his money was is an inc- a very impressive thing. And Slapshot, to this day, has probably been the most rewarding thing, uh, only because um, about. 20 years ago, 15 years ago, this, we did that movie in 1977. About 15, 20 years ago, someone called and said, look, they're tw- uh, one of the, uh, the Sparkle twins, uh, Luis, uh, had uh, MS, and they were trying to get raise money for a, um, for a, a van for her down in Johnstown. They lived in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, where we shot most of the movie, not all of it, most of it. And they said, would you come down and help out? I said, sure, I'll, I'll drive down. I can do that. So we went down, and there were a bunch of us, we hadn't seen each other in years, show up, and the guy says, okay, what you're going to do is you'll drop the puck, you know, and then we'll go back and you'll sign some autographs for the 
you know, in between periods. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, great. So we went back, and they had some pictures, and we were signing, and we never stopped signing through the entire game. Wow. They net, the line just kept going, and we went, wait a minute. What's, what, that was when we realized what a cult film that truly was. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so ever since then, we've been doing a lot. A lot of us have gone out and done these we, charity events from Montreal to Vancouver to uh, Long Island, upstate, in, throughout New England, just to ra- as fundraisers for different events uh, around the country. And wow. it's been quite rewarding. I just did one a couple of weeks ago last week. Wow. Now, could you skate? Yeah. I, well, I, I grew up in New England, so I was so, a pond hockey. That's what I figured. I figured you, you must have. Yeah. That was pond hockey, and I, you know, I loved it. I had never <clears throat> rink hockey was that was we didn't have rinks, mm-hmm. and uh, but I did. I played hockey as a kid. Too. Did you ever play goalie? Uh, no, I never. Nobody ever wanted to play goalie yeah. when you're playing played pondy. You could get too damn cold. Yeah. You know, you had to keep moving around. Right. So I had never played goalie, but I I learned fast, and they taught me. And the guys that I worked with were, you know, very generous with with their time and what they did and how they helped me out and. Yeah. How we shot it. Now let's see. You you could skate. Mm-hmm. You could swear. <laughs> could you fight? <laughs> I, and the fighting came easy. Yes, I could. I could fight. Now, what was it like beating on Paul Newman? <laughs> oh, he was great. We uh, we both uh, tore uh, hamstring muscles. Not tore them, strained them. I knocked him out for I think uh, two weeks, uh, and he knocked me out uh, because we we shot it for almost two days, and uh, to fight. Uh, you're basically on point uh, using those quad muscles and hamstring muscles because you're and you're plus you're pulling your punches mm-hmm. yeah or missing and uh, right after we film finished filming it I came back and did, was playing in a softball game and ran down the first baseline and proceeded to, <laughs> to look, feel like somebody had shot me in the leg oh, and went down like a lump and I found out that night that Newman had also uh, pulled up with a hamstring injury. <laughs> skating so uh that was uh yeah that, 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 I'm, I'm sure joy did george roy hill didn't care for that yeah i'm sure it did. i didn't hit him during the during the during the shoot <laughs> so i got that part right well that's got to be one of the funniest scenes in that movie i mean the look on your face <laughs> just those little eyes darting yeah. around like <laughs> it was yeah I, yeah it was kind of funny it cracks me up every time i see it now, moving on, that same year you were doing the San Pedro Beach Bums, right? Was it? I don't. Was it the same year? Uh, Ninety-seven, uh, seventy-seven. Seventy-seven. Yeah. I, well, I. It was. I thought I did that earlier, but I'm not positive. Well, I'm sure the filming was earlier. You know. Yeah, because I was. That was in L.A. I was in L.A. at that time. Yeah. And then I came back here. I can't. The sequence is a little fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I came back to New York to do another. A, a TV, what, what they used to call the MOV movie of the week, um, yeah. called "You Can't Go Home Again." Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'd just forgotten that movie. And uh, while I was here, that's when that one came up, and my family was back in LA, mm-hmm. so I ended up doing the, that movie, and then Slapshot, and then something else. And then I went to uh, London to do. Oh, that was another movie that I did that I really felt rewarded. That was called, and not many people in this country saw it, uh, it was called um, the, um, the One and Only Phyllis Dixie. Yes, okay, yeah. And uh, that was that was a true story. I met the fellow that I played. He was an older comedian who was on the vaudeville scene. 
uh, Phyllis Dixie was to vaudeville what, uh, in, in Europe, what Gypsy Rose Lee was to vaudeville and strippers here in the U.S. Ah, okay. <clears throat> and she, and it was, the movie itself spanned 50 years, so the makeup process was a, spanned that length of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very re- rewarding and very exhausting uh, uh, shoot, but boy, I loved doing it with Leslie Ann Down and myself and... Um, it was, uh, yeah, if you ever get a chance to see it, I don't know where you would find it, but it's called The One and Only Phyllis Dixie. Yeah, yeah. And just to mention the San Pedro Beach Bumps, because I enjoyed the show. Probably I was the only one. But <laughs> oh, a lot of, some people still come up to me and remember lines from that. Show. Really? Well, I'm not that <laughs> like, like football. You bet. I and mean, I, which I had forgotten about. And yeah. A lot of, but it was, it was, it, it was what it was a, a slapstick, uh, you know, right? Uh, uh, our gang kind of show. In yeah. The, in the seventies, uh, yeah. didn't didn't make it, but uh, right. But it was an hour long comedy. Yeah, and that's unusual. Which I mean. was very unusual. Yeah, we did it originally as a ninety minute movie of the week, mm-hmm. and then they decided to do it as an hour long filmed comedy. So that was, boy, that was, talk about a little rigid, I mean, those were scheduled. I kept saying, why can't I do these these half-hour sitcoms, three-camera tape? Right, yeah. <laughs> Come on, man, I'm doing all these films, they're just, they're killing me here. Jeez. Now, you did do MASH, and your role in there, I, I can remember that that episode when you were in it. You you did a great job in that one. Oh, Brian, I'm, I, you know, I don't think I ever saw it. Really? You've never and seen someone this year, just this year, sent me a still from that episode. Huh. And I and I'm racking my brain and I don't think and I know it's on because I get a check for like a dollar forty two eighty every now and again. <laughs> and uh so I know it's running somewhere. Mm-hmm. But it was uh it, I think I did that job right after they we stopped shooting the bums because it was right on the same lot. Yep. Yeah, uh, it was on twenty. Uh, I think it was at Fox, I believe. And uh, so I just picked that up, and then uh, then I came back here, I guess, to do can't go home again. And then from there to Slapshot, and mm. I think Jeez. there after Phyllis Dixie came in somewhere in that area. Yeah, you also did the Civil War miniseries. Oh, Elijah Hunt Road. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a surprise. I, that came out of nowhere, and I didn't even know I I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't quite get it, mm-hmm. but I, do, I mean, obviously I did later, but I, we shot it, we taped that almost over the course of six, seven months. Wow. Off and on. He would just, and I didn't, and I kept saying, what is this, Elijah? What is he doing? What is the purpose of it? Of course, once I saw it edited and put together in the way that Ken Burns had done it, I went, oh my God, the guy's brilliant. Yeah. He just made history a, a wonderful experience and also a very touching one and the way he took his characters and used the letters and with still photos and using different shots in the stills to create the mood of the letter yeah that is being that is being VO'd over the over the shot it was i thought it was brilliant yeah yeah and it certainly created a whole genre of the way to do documentary films yeah the things that he does is they're all great. Yeah. I mean. yeah, they are. I mean, they're just unique and wonderful to watch, and kind. And some, you know, I, I enjoy them. I enjoy them a lot. I've worked with them a few times now. Yeah. What about now? Remember when? How did you get that part? Did Did they want you and say, "Hey, you know, here's the here's the job"? Or did? No, I had to audition just like uh, everyone else did. We because uh, I didn't know Rupert, and uh, 
And uh, so they, I was brought in and read for them. Then they called me back, and we, they said, now we want to play. So you, and, and they asked me to just do many accents. And because the character of Mackie Bloom was being billed as the man with a thousand voices. Right, yeah. So they wanted to make, they wanted to see if I could give them as many voices as, I, as they indeed wanted. And I, so I just started riffing on them and, and different accents and, and timbers and whatever it is they wanted. I said, hell, I'll do it like Donald Duck if you want. It doesn't matter. And they, but they were very, and, they, they were, and then they started writing for me. Uh, and that's how it evolved. It was just once they saw that the second time, they went, okay, you want to play? I said, sure. Yeah. Now, that, that was a quality show. It was. It was a, it was a very it was well done. The music was great. Rupert wrote the music for it. Yeah. Um, like I said, it was the, the hours are brutal, but it was it was a, a very much a quality show. Oh yeah, jeez. And it was the it was really the precursor because it was it was on AMC, right? And it was the precursor to well today's success of Mad Men. They just didn't. In those days, they didn't do commercials. They do now. Yeah. And as a result, they can now afford to do those shows. They couldn't. They really couldn't give a viable salary. Uh, to the, the cast of, of Remember When, for instance. Oftentimes, in fact, one of the things that I had done was I said, okay, if we're going to do this, you're going to have to put a studio in our dress in my dressing room and we'll all use it to do so we can do voiceovers when we're not on stage uh-huh. in order to just keep the... So we had income going besides that because we were doing that at a special salary. Mm-hmm. So they put a... a uh, a studio in the in my dressing room with a, what is called an ISDN box and a which is an encoding box that you can do uh, in in real time to any other studio in the country. Right. Yep. And I have one right here because that's what I do now. I'm sitting here looking at my Prima LT, which is an ISDN box, so you can do commercials in L.A. or sh- Chicago or Cleveland, and they get it in real time mm-hmm. yep. uh, there. Yeah. Now, when we started talking here about doing this interview, you had said we couldn't go 30 minutes. But <laughs> you mean we've gone over 30? See how easy it has been? <laughs> we have gone over 30? Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Well, it, uh, all right, there are two things I want you to there. So there's one other thing that people out your audience have got to go and check out. That's a movie called Lucky. 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 It's with Colin Hanks, uh-huh. and it's Anne Margaret is in it, Mimi Rogers. Um, and it's a uh, and it's a wonderful uh, movie uh, uh, about a, a serial killer who wins the lottery, and it's and it's written it's written uh, by uh, Kent Sublet, who uh, writes for Saturday Night Live. Uh-huh. And if you get it, you I have a vested interest in it. So I'm not in it. I have a vested interest in it. <laughs> and and, and it, what is that? It's on. Well, it, my daughter produced it. Ah, okay. That's... So it's uh, it's called Lucky, and it's uh, it's on. I think it's on Showtime now. I know it's uh, on a uh, on uh, uh, Netflix, etc. You can get it on that. But and there's another film that she did, which is great for for especially for Asian audiences and uh, um, and the Asian market. It's called um, uh, Order of Chaos. Oh, okay. And that is a it's a real weird film, and I it's it's about the it's about the decline of not just moral but uh, of of uh, societal values through the business community. And Reese Coiro, Milo Ventimiglia is in it. Uh, Mimi Rogers is in it, hmm. and it's very dark and very weird. Huh. 
So I would recommend that's Order of Chaos, and Lucky is the one that's the uh, that. And if you can write about a, do a film about a serial killer, and it's a comedy and a love story all at the same time, you got something going on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now you had mentioned before we got on the air that all your children are involved with the business now, right? Yes, my daughter, my oldest, uh, is Julia Murney, and she is uh, a, an incredible singer. She does. Uh, she did Wicked on Broadway for a couple of years. Wow. And played the Green Witch, and uh, also did it in Boston, uh, and and did it in San Francisco. She did it in Chicago, and she do- goes around the country doing concerts with uh, pops orchestras from uh, L.A. to uh, well Boston, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. Cleveland, San- St. Louis, uh, the Boston Pops. I mentioned that, uh, and she does these concerts with these seventy-piece orchestras behind her. Wow! And it's. That's pretty amazing, and she also does off Broadway and Broadway. Yeah. And my son is just starting out in the in as an actor. He studied theater at uh, Syracuse, and he's done a couple of movies. One is his name is Patrick, and he's got one coming out this fall. One called Bluebird. One called uh, Oh God, I'm blanking on the name of that. Good for me. Um, hmm. Oh well, you know, just keep an eye out for Patrick Murney because there's one was shot up in Maine not too long ago. Wow. Um, yeah. With uh, Mar- uh, Margot Martindale and uh, another fellow from Mad Men, um, the silver-haired guy whose name I'm blanking on. I know who you mean. <laughs> I know. Uh, but uh, he and he's doing that, so he's he's trucking along and doing that. And my middle daughter is out in California, producing movies, making wow. features. Yeah. Now, d- did they get the bug because of Dad? <laughs> I think. Well, I think they might have looked around and said, "Well, hell, he's having a good time." Why? <laughs> Why can't I have a good time? I mean, so uh, I, I don't know. Nobody, we never, we never encouraged or discouraged. It yeah. was, you know, it was sort of like you just follow what you, follow what you love. Yeah. And yeah. you'll be okay. Yeah, you sound like a proud father, too. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, I want to, if it's okay, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Sure. Okay. Uh, more on a personal note, taking us away from your acting and everything. But when you sit back and like to watch TV, or watch TV, maybe you don't like to watch TV, I don't know. Uh, what TV shows do you watch, and what are your favorite TV shows of all time? All time, that's a tough one, because that changes with the decade. Right, obviously. But I'm, I, I love science and science fiction. I like J.J. Abrams, I like Fringe. Ah. I'm a Fringe fanatic, I love to watch that one. That's, uh, and in the, new, in the new fairy tale genre of the Grimm series, mm-hmm. I enjoy watching that, so that's... Yeah. That's what I like watching today. When I, I also love to watch uh, the science films. I like Sci-Fi Channel. Um, I like I like some of Channel 13, but not all the time. Sometimes it gets a little bit too pretentious uh, for me. Yeah. But that uh, because but on 13 they also have Nova, which is a great series. So I like those. What about movies? What's your favorite movies of all time? <laughs> I. Jeez, that's a tough one, bro. Man, oh man! I, Everybody says that. And I just—I mean, does it have to? You know, it's sort of like, well, gee, I like the ones that I'm in. Yeah. But because I like to see them played again and again, um, because of the the uh, yeah, because of the uh, residual. Uh, no, <laughs> the favorite movie of all time. I would have to go way back to movies that influenced—not influenced per se—but I remember as a kid. Because once you're in the business, I think you tend to look at it like a plumber's holiday. You right. look at it very critically and say, it's like, how many actors is it? 
take to change a light bulb, you know, uh, one to change a light bulb, but three to say, I couldn't do that. Um, so it's, it's difficult to, to pick a, 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 a favorite once you're in the business. But looking way back, like in uh, From Here to Eternity and in the Classic, 50s, you yeah. know, the original. Oh, I was in the... Uh, yeah. You were in the TV miniseries. I was in the remake. That's right. <laughs> That's I forgot. Right. <laughs> yes, I was. But I liked I, the original uh, very much. Uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, another... I had Julie Adams on the show earlier this year. And... And she, well, she, that was a great, I mean, that was one of my, as a kid, scared the hell out yep, of me. Yep, yep, me too. <laughs> so I remembered that. And uh, there was another one with, with um, there was another one, oh, I can't remember the name of it, I'm afraid. I remember Deborah Carr and Tea and Sympathy. Why? I don't know. Hmm. Uh, there are just, there are films that sometimes you, re, you look back on and they, they influence the way you think, but not, not necessarily the way you act. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there, those are some of them. One with, uh, there was one I can't remember her name. Uh, Deborah, no, Rush, no, I uh, never mind. Forgot. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> Whatever it was, it wasn't that interesting. <laughs> oh, and Stephen King, you know, he's Stephen another. King. Yeah, you were in Maximum Overdrive. Maximum Overdrive. I was so bad. I was so bad. The toy truck killed me. <laughs> you know, just it was really revenge on on that part. But those and his novels, you know, which which. Not always translated into into a into a feature mm-hmm. in my mind, and then all of a sudden Green Mile comes along, and bam, it does. Yeah. yeah. So that, you know, that's, there are a lot of movies that influence you as a kid that I think are, the more, are more are more influential than the ones that you see as an adult. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. I've enjoyed this a whole lot, and uh, I appreciate that you took the time to talk to us. Well, Brian, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it and had a good time myself. So take care, and thanks to all the fans and friends out there who have watched me over the years. Christopher Murney, I want to thank him so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. I hope you enjoyed that one. Great actor. He's done a lot of stuff, and it just goes on and on with the things he did. And uh, I wish we had had more time to talk to him about all the other ones that he's done. But uh, that's you know, we only have so much time, so <laughs> we get what we can in there, and we appreciate it very much that he took that time. Well, let's see here. Uh, I want to remind you, check out onscreenandbeyond.com because we got a lot of great stuff there for you. We got uh, movie interviews, we got uh, TV and movie DVD releases and uh, reviews on those. And uh, then we have the Filmmakers Corner. Like I said, we're going to be updating that with some more upcoming movie and filmmakers. So check it out, the animators and composers and everything else. So be sure to check that out at onscreenandbeyond.com. And uh, let's see, what else we got coming our way? If you'd like to communicate with me, we get emails from all over the world. It just amazes me every every week when I look at these things, every day. Uh, there are people who are listening from um, England and uh, uh, China. We have a big listenership over in China, so uh, thank you for doing that. And uh, also in Germany and uh, United States, of course, Canada, Brazil, Mexico, all over the world and Australia, and we just appreciate it, all the emails we get, and I try to answer as many as I can. Uh, I, you know, some, of, some are asking for communication. They're just making a suggestion and things like that, and I even try to answer those if we get a chance to. So uh, if you want to uh, email me, email me at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. I'll see what I can do about uh, getting your favorite person on On Screen and Beyond, and um, we'll go from there. 
And let's see, what else? Uh, tell a friend. We'd appreciate it if you'd pass the word about On Screen and Beyond. If you are doing a little shopping online, and uh, one of our sponsors is one of the places that you were going to go for that shopping, well, just go to our site, click on it. It'll take you to their site, and then you just do your shopping. It doesn't cost you anything different. It's the same thing, but we'll get a little credit for that, and it'll help support the show, and we do appreciate that. So uh, hope you'll do that for us. And I think that's about a wrap. And uh, next week, I'll tell you, we're going down to Hazard County. Cooter's coming. It's next week on On Screen and Beyond. I hope you're going to join us for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's about it. That's a wrap for this week. Until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 